0: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future.
2: I'm your other co host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian.
0: Today, we're going to do a look around the miners and give our stock report. But first, we're joined by a special guest, one of the Astros top pitching prospects, Chase McDermott. How are you doing, Chase? Pretty
1: good. How about yourself?
0: Doing well, so first thing I want to ask is I know you were uh, in the minors last year and this year, so you you've kind of experienced the full six game uh, but just from from talking to people and then just from your opinion how are you or how are you liking the six game series having the monday off the the dedicated day off? does it help you stay in a routine and is is that kind of schedule work good for you
1: yeah, definitely I mean it definitely helps uh for a routine standpoint just because you know what you're getting every week compared to like major leagues or even different leagues where it's three games and then you're on the road or whatever it is. Um, So it is nice being able to kind of go through that repeated um, process each week.
0: All right. So I'm gonna go all the way back to to where you grew up. So you grew up in Indiana, which is a a very big basketball state. Your brother plays basketball. Growing up, was there, was there like pressure to play basketball? Did you play basketball growing up? Was that, was that an option for you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I did play basketball growing up. Um, It was big in my family. Um, obviously my brother and my mom played college basketball, all that kind of stuff, whole family. Um, but I enjoyed baseball more. Um, so for me, it was an easy decision to give up basketball after my freshman year of high school. Um, and from the pressure standpoint, I wouldn't say there was pressure, at least from my family. Like my mom was full, full support. Um, so my brother, my dad, everything. Um, but I think more, there's more pep pressure from people on the outside that were, thought I would probably be better at basketball than I would be at baseball so
2: yeah you know making that jump from high school baseball to college baseball and now to the pros what are some of the biggest differences you've seen over that time
1: Um, I think some of the biggest things you see is just as you go up each level obviously there's better hitting that kind of stuff better players around you so you just have uh, work with how the game adjusts so the better hitters you have to throw better pitches understand what's working what's not you have to understand the hitters better um, but then you also get the luxury of you have better players behind you also um, you have better players behind the dish so you can miss more with off-speed pitches on the dirt and get strikeouts or you can miss in the zone a little bit more and get outs uh, because your fielders are good behind you
0: so I was at your, your start the other night on, uh, on Wednesday in Asheville. And I know um, I think it was maybe the seventh inning. One of those, you started getting squeezed a little bit. And outside of that, though, you've been rolling. I know that I think in May, I think you had an ERA under two. So has there, any, has there been anything that you've changed recently? Or is it more just getting comfortable, uh, you know, on the mound and, and just kind of getting into a group? Uh, Yeah, we're changing the pitches a little bit, and
1: I think it's worked for me a little bit, and we're continuing to change them. Uh, But I think the biggest thing for me was just finding that groove and uh, getting back into it. It It's tough when you start off a little bit slow, but once you hit that groove, um, it's easier. You start trusting your pitches more, all that kind of stuff. And we started playing better as a team, so it made it easier for me on the mound personally just to go out and throw and know that I had the support behind me. Uh,
2: yeah, just, you know, as a starter in the system, even from the majors to the lower end of the minors, you're seeing guys that are piggybacking in relief or starting. Do you have a preference when you when you come into a game, would you rather start or are you OK coming four innings into the game?
1: Um, personally, I'd rather start, but at the same time, I'm defined really coming in later in the game. Um, it doesn't really affect me. I'm going to do the same thing. Um, it's up to me once I get out there, how the game goes in the standpoint of if I throw it well or I don't. So it doesn't really matter for me when I go in, but personally I prefer starting.
0: So looking at uh, some of your stats so far this season, you've been, and I haven't looked since your most recent start, but you, you were really dominant against right-handed batters and um, versus versus left-handed batters. So what's different for the two? Is it is it the way your pitches play against righties versus lefties, or is it just kind of a, a coincidence thing right now?
1: Um, I think a little bit of both. I think it is a coincidence. Um But at the same time, I do believe that the slider, my slider has gotten a lot better um, with the help of Coach Rada. Um, And I think it will continue to get better. But at the same time, I just think, I mean, I've thrown obviously all pitches to all sides. um, They're to both sides. So, I mean, it's just kind of more of a coincidence thing right now, I think. Um, It's probably a little bit of my command issues right now. And I think once I get that cleaned up, they'll start to even out a little bit.
2: When you made that jump from you know single A pitching in Fayetteville last year, now you're pitching in Asheville this year. A lot of people probably don't know the dimensions at Asheville are a little bit uh, abnormal to a regular baseball park. But if you notice any differences with by the way you pitch at home or on the road when you're since you've been in high A.
1: Um, yeah, the dimensions are different at our field, so it is kind of like a thought in your mind. But at the same time, we try to pitch the same no matter what. I mean, you can't sit here and worry about giving up home runs to the short porch and right field or to center or whatever um you just kind of got to keep going out there and throwing normally um and hope that things go your way
0: so I don't want this to to come off as like a slide against Asheville but you know you were in uh excuse me pitching Fayetteville a little bit last year right so um, beautiful stadium beautiful ballpark top-notch facility so going from there to a stadium like McCormick Field which is almost 100 years old like what's that adjustment been like? I mean, you, you promote up a level, but you kind of take a, take a, uh, a step backwards when it comes to like the facilities and things that you have, uh, you know, available to you. Yeah. I think, I mean, it
1: is, I mean, that's the thing is you kind of have to look at it from the standpoint of it is a historic field. So you're not going to get all the glitz and glamor, mm-hmm. uh, but that's of everything we need. Like they're providing us with everything we need. There's no, in the, In the long run, there's no differences from Fayetteville to Asheville in the sense of we're not losing out on anything. So you kind of have to look at it that way and not be
0: uh,
1: greedy, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you you talked about your slider uh, that you've thrown has gotten a lot better. But outside of that, what other other pitches are you throwing?
1: Um, I got my – so obviously fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. And then the curveball, the slider – pretty much all my off-speed pitches we're working on changing right now. Um, Not in the sense of, like, total reconstruction with them, but just getting better, that kind of stuff. So,
2: So I guess when you look a year ahead from now, it's always a question we like to ask prospects. uh, Where where do you hope to see yourself in the system, in your own development? Like, what steps do you need to take forward a year from today?
1: Um, I think a year from today, like, personally, I would love to be in the big leagues. But if we're being realistic, I mean – I'm just hoping I get to move up, um, whatever, wherever that is. If that's in double A, if that's in triple A, I'm still in Asheville. It's just keep getting better. Um, It's hard to kind of say, obviously, I think everyone should answer that question. Honestly, you want to be in the big league. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, but at the same time, you kind of have to realize what the goal is for yourself. And I just, am trying to
0: get better each day. So I'll be keeping track of, you know, the stats in Asheville. And it seems like, depending on who who gets the start that week, you and, and Spencer Getty are kind of going back and forth in terms of who's leading the team in strikeouts. Is there is there a little like competition? I mean, obviously you want to be the best pitcher you can be, but is there a little competition going on, on there or just, uh, you know, maybe the two of y'all working together. I mean, y'all are racking up the strikeouts at a, a pretty good rate this season.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's definitely um, a competitiveness, but at the same time, it's we're working with each other, um, giving each other feedback on different things and stuff like that. But I did tell him the other day we were tied at 60 strikeouts going into his last inning, and I told him he was a <laughs> lot. So, but he decided to go and strike out three people. So, apparently.
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, so, uh, one question that me and me and Kenny have kind of liked to ask is, I like to to it's good feedback when we get this. One, but throughout your your professional career so far, and uh, so either either be in batting practice or instructs or spring training, where what, what's the toughest hitter that you faced in the Astro system to this point?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's the problem is you face so many of the around, But I would have to say for me personally, it's been Michael Sandel. Um, just because we came in at the same time, obviously. So before we got to the last year, I threw against him a couple of times. I threw him against him in spring training this year and stuff like that. And I, he always gets these like latent count hits off me and I can never figure <laughs> out. I feel like I throw really good pitches to him and he just battles them off until I make a mistake and then. And then he jumps on it, so I would definitely say Michael Sandel.
2: So I guess since high school you haven't played another position. I looked at your <laughs> baseball reference; you only pitched in college. Some guys maybe get an at bat, play some outfield. You haven't you haven't done that since high school. Um, you know, if we threw you out there in the box right now, do you think you could, uh, you know, maybe get on base or at least get a hit off of a professional pitcher?
1: No, I'm striking out in three pitches for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Winging at spiders in the <laughs> I'm swinging at fastballs above my head. I'm, I'm striking out quick.
2: <laughs> that's it, it. And I, I guess just beyond that, you know, maybe you're not going to get on base, you know, you're not going to get a hit, but if we put you in the field, where do you think you could uh, could add some depth?
1: Oh, that's a, I, w- I always like to say first base because I'm the one that's always trying to pick stuff during BP instead of, <laughs> um, I would say first base, but honestly, I don't, I don't know if I could play any position very well.
0: So I know it's it's not something that like you you want to uh, I guess really enjoy because usually when a, a position player comes in it's it's a blowout hopefully in in you know our team's favor but um, Luis Santana has three scoreless innings this year and he actually struck out somebody on Wednesday when I was there so what's that conversation like do y'all do y'all mess with him a lot saying hey you got a 0.00 ERA in three appearances this year. Yeah, that's what
1: I, he came out on Wednesday, and obviously I didn't have one of my best games on Wednesday, and I told him that he was taking my starting spot because he's throwing better. <laughs> so, But yeah, no, I mean, it's always, obviously you don't want ever really, as a pitcher, want a position player to go in there, but when they do go in, it's pretty fun to watch because most of them just go out and throw it 75 and get out somehow, and we're sitting there. You have guys that <laughs> get hit for a home run, so it's just kind right. of fun.
2: So I guess looking you know, at the teammates you made over the last year, you got drafted in 2021. Uh, you're coming up with some of the same guys. Like you said, Michael Sandel came in at the same time as him. But uh, who would you say is like who's had the, like, the funniest moments, like as, as a teammate in the last year? And can you provide any examples?
1: Um, I would say Aaron Brown is probably one of the funniest. And to me personally, Adrian Chidez is up there too. Um, but I think Aaron stands out just because he has he's from Tennessee. He's got those quick one-liners that you never really expect. Um, but, yeah, I would say him, and I don't know if I really have any um, certain ones that are coming to the top of my head, but there's always something something coming in.
0: So looking back to, to your college career, to where you're at now, what's one thing that like you've learned in the professional game that you're like, man, I wish I would have known this maybe in college or – Right when, I, right when I got drafted. But what's one thing over the last, I guess, year or two that you've kind of picked up and learned on that you wish you would have had maybe sooner? I think the biggest thing is just
1: the understanding of hitters. I think you have to develop kind of as you go through a pro ball because um, I feel like in college I would just throw repeated fastballs to people and they're found straight off, um, straight backwards and stuff. And then obviously now, and I, I mean, I knew this in college too, but I didn't use it as much. But that means that they're on time with your pitch. You need to go to something else. Um, you're probably not going to beat him with that pitch. And I would just keep throwing it. Now I have an understanding of, okay, if I went fastball and a guy fouls it off way over first base from a right handed hitter, he's way late. And then I throw him another one. He fouls it off straight back. He timed it up. He made an adjustment. It's time to go to something else, whatever that pitch may be. But that's my biggest thing I think I've learned in pro ball so far.
2: Yeah, you, you might not remember this, but I kind of do. When you were drafted, there was the Major League Baseball posted a picture and it wasn't you. Um, and I remember you quote tweeting and saying, hey, that's not me, but I still got drafted. Uh, what yeah. was that like? And who was the guy that that picture was?
1: Uh, so the picture was one of my teammates at Ball State named Ty Weatherly. Um, his brother, Sam, is actually in the Rockies organization, I believe. Um, but the funny thing was, is the Astros used the picture, too, and said I was <laughs> a left hand. And I was like, oh, I mean, I still got drafted. They can't take it back. Now. Yeah, this is the way I expected it to. No, nah, I mean it was. I didn't mean, think it was just a funny thing. Well,
0: at least you got it, You got a good score to uh, store to itself forever, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Chase. Well, that, that's uh, that's all I got, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and talking with us, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, a promotion to, to Corpus Christi is in line for you pretty soon.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you for having me.
0: You got it. All right, that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to take a look around the miners and give a stock report. We'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So we're going to get right into our stock report. So Kenny, it's uh, it's been two weeks since we recorded. Who's your stock up prospect uh, over the last two weeks?
2: I I think I probably should have touched on this more last or two weeks ago, but I think over the last twenty games, Corey Jolks has just been a monster Um, guy. Who's in the last? He's had twenty eight BS in June. He's batting three hundred with an above uh, 1,000 OPS, two home runs already in June. He had 10 in May and only one in April. This guy's power is just phenomenal right now. He's on such a hot streak. Uh, 12 homers since May 8th. He's fourth in OPS on the Space Cowboys uh, behind Matijevich, Brinson, and Hinsley. Just overall, just destroying it. If a roster spot opens, you know you think Corey Jokes might take it as a corner outfielder, third baseman. But at the same time, he could be building trade stock. You know, Corey Jolks in AAA now. And he's destroying it his first year, his first two months in at this level.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that's important to remember. The Astros have, have done well developing outfielders, especially as they get higher into the system. I mean, you see what happened with Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick over the last couple of years. Uh, so Corey Jolks could be another one of those. But on my prospect stock up right now, I'm going to go with another outfielder. This one's a little bit younger. Colin Barber, the Astros fourth-round pick back in 2019, Obviously, played a little bit after the draft, missed the entire 2020 season because of COVID. Uh, starts 2021 on fire, gets hurt, never really the same, misses a lot of the season. Uh, started this year, April was okay, but I mean, he's absolutely turned it on over the last four weeks. So last week, he hit 524 with five home runs in six games. Over his last four weeks, he's hitting 473. And on the season, he's up to 328 with a, an OPS of almost 1,000. So to see that from a 21-year-old, um, In high A, you know, who's probably going to get a promotion to double A at some point. I mean, he's really climbing that stock of of, uh, uh, of prospects that are position players in the Astro system.
2: Hey, you know, we talked about this right before we came on. He made MLB Pipeline uh, Team of the Week uh, as one of the outfielders. And it's even better that he had more extra base hits last week than singles. We talked about that, too, and that's just yeah. incredible to see from a guy who's bouncing back from an injury.
0: Yeah, definitely. So very excited for for him, and we'll see what uh, what the the next month or two holds for him. But we'll get into uh, the AAA recap. Space Cowboys are at twenty and thirty three. Been some ups and some ups, some downs. There's been some 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 good pitching performances over the last couple of weeks. We saw Hunter Brown had that dominant performance: seven innings, ten strikeouts, no walks. Uh, was the Astros minor league pitcher of the month. He's got a two four five ERA, sixty strikeouts in forty four innings. Last outing struggled a little bit, but really at this point, there's. I don't think there's a lot else that he can do that kind of makes you think, oh yeah, he's ready because everything he's shown from last year in Triple A to this year in Triple A, the improvements he's shown, he's pretty much shown that he's ready for the big leagues.
2: You know, there might be some starts here and there that he gives up three runs over four innings. Uh, Sometimes he doesn't go as deep as you know the seven innings that we saw Mm -hmm. uh, last week. But you know, Hunter Brown is forcing his way onto the roster. I know there's not probably a spot for him right now, definitely not in the rotation. But you know, by by September, you'd like to see him in the bullpen. You'd like to see him in the majors to show what he can do.
0: Yeah, and then in, in the uh, in the bullpen of the Space Cowboys, we've seen some really good performance. Parker Mashinsky, we, we know he just got uh, recalled with uh, Blake Taylor going on the IL, but uh, he's been phenomenal. Hasn't allowed an earned run the entire season, more strikeouts in innings pitched, and then another guy, Noli Paredes, while the walks are there a little bit, he's got a 0.41 ERA in 22 innings in AAA, so nice to see him kind of recover what we saw uh, from him in that 2020 season.
2: Yeah, and he's showing maturity on the mound. Uh, he had two strikeouts the other day. Walked the bases loaded, then punched out the last one on a three-two count. Like he's showing that he can get out of jams. So, you know, like the command isn't always going to be what it you know what everyone was hoping for two years ago. But you know, Paredes is showing out, and if there's another injury. I think he could get the call over Ronel Blanco at that point.
0: Yeah, now I mean, he's, he's he's definitely deserving at this point, and Blanco's been been pretty good as well, but. Another pitcher that, that kind of got it going a little bit yesterday, you know, J.P. France went five and two-thirds, struck out eight, didn't walk in. I know he did give up the three runs, but um, that's really encouraging to see because he had a, a strong year last year, you know, led the Astros system to strikeouts, and it's been it's been a little bit of a, a rough start to the season for him. So nice to see him have a, a good outing.
2: Yeah, he gave up a home run in the first inning, opposite field from a righty. You know, it wasn't what you expect from him, uh, but he settled in eight strikeouts over five and two-thirds, only one out away from a, a – um, quality start and he just you know really showed some maturity progressions through through that whole start um looking at his era it improved a lot uh, a lot of these starters are you know north of six on the era and we're already mm-hmm. two months into the season uh or may didn't do anyone you know anything but for those guys you know like Bermudez, uh, dubin and so just to see france do that is just pretty incredible just a good start to get a good start in june for sure
0: on the offensive side, though, we've seen some some guys continue to hit well. Matt Ejevic started off the season on fire, uh, ended up going on the IL for a little bit, but since he's came back, he, he's got he's pretty much picked off right where he left off. Uh, I know me and you were at the game on Saturday. He uh, crushed a three run homer. I think it was like a hundred and eight off the bat, no doubter. And I mean, I think that's what he is. We know what he's he's going to be a power hitter. He'll probably get a chance to, you know with the Astros at some point. Hopefully, a little bit more extended stay where he can kind of uh, maybe get comfortable. But really good season for him so far, and he's he's kind of showing what we all had hoped he would be is that, that, that kind of power hitting first base.
2: Yeah. Leading most of the, most of the offensive categories, except home runs, Corey Jolks is just running away with that right now, but overall, Mattie is a clutch player too. Uh, basic If there's people on in triple a, you know, he's going to get someone in um, if that's a home run, double single, even a fly out, just move somebody over. That's, that's what he's there for. Um, looking at the field, actually, Leon, uh, Pedro Leon, mainly a center fielder, taking some shortstop, playing some second base again. Uh, took his fourth start at second base this past weekend. And I got to be honest, he doesn't look that comfortable. Um, a guy who has an incredible arm. We saw it on Sunday. Threw yeah. out a runner at home, to, you know, to save save the safe Cowboys from going down late next in extra innings. And it's just, he doesn't look comfortable. There was an easy ground ball to the right side a few, like two weeks ago. Didn't get, to, didn't get it to first in time. Wasn't an error. He just wasn't quick with it. And the throws just don't look great. It might just be a, an, an extra glove in the bag for him. Or, you know, there's some injuries, you know, in that infield. But it's just I don't think second base is where Pedro Leon is going to be.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe the plan is just to to get him a little bit comfortable there. So if you had to put him at second base, you could. Because you think about it, he's played all three outfield positions this year. He's played third base, shortstop, and second base now. So pretty much every position except for, uh, you know, first base and catcher. And maybe the Astros have a plan of, Kind of using him as a utility guy, so that way when you bring up a guy like him, you can you can kind of move him all around the uh, the field. We see him, we see them do that with uh, Ledesma Diaz. We saw it with Marwin Gonzalez in the 2017 season. He wasn't he was never like a full time starter, but still got full time starter at best because he moved around enough. So maybe that's the plan for Leon. But another guy we saw play in another position that we're not used to. Corey Lee played left field on Saturday. He came in after uh, Lewis Brinson got hurt. The only two guys they had on the bench were David Hensley and and Corey Lee because Jake Myers and Taylor Jones weren't playing due to, uh, or, you know, they had their, their, their first start on Friday. They weren't playing Saturday. So I don't think they wanted to force those guys in. So Lee goes out into the outfield. He hasn't played the outfield since 2019. I think he had a couple games out there with Tri-City, made a couple plays, but really, if anything, I think that just speaks to his overall athleticism. I mean, there's not a lot of catchers that you could probably go stick in the outfield or. You know, I think uh, last year he played a couple games at third base. There's not a lot of them that you could probably do that. Corey Lee's one of them because he, he's he got the athleticism to do that kind of stuff.
2: And there was a comment on Twitter, like, uh, underneath one of your tweets saying, oh, he's not playing well at catcher. He's playing fine. Like, this isn't a big deal. He was getting a day mm-hmm. off. Lewis Brinson got hurt. He didn't play Sunday either. He kind of came to the dugout for a little bit and left. But, you know, he was just filling in. Uh, he can play left field. He can play first base. You know, Corey Lee is fine. You know, the yeah. offensive side, the off- offensive numbers will come eventually. But he's perfectly fine as a fielder he's perfectly fine sure. as a catcher
0: yeah for sure I mean we've, we've seen the, the arm behind the plate but uh, another guy on the offensive side that's been awesome I know you were there Sunday had a, a fantastic game David Hensley you know he's got a 411 on base percentage uh, four homers this year you know he's not gonna be a huge power guy but he, he he gets on base I know you had that walk-off single but what's your take on on uh, Hensley
2: the minimal errors. Uh, the guy is very, he's a very smart baseball player. You know, he, he knows if something's not a strike or it is, you know, he'll ta- he'll tell the umpire what he thinks, but, you know, he takes pitches. Uh, he works counts. Um, it was a three, two count. You know I think he fouled off two more balls in one of them on Sunday, but overall just a very smart baseball player, uh, even in the field, he can play across the infield, maybe shove him in left one day. Maybe, you know, he can make minimal plays out there too, but overall just a great utility depth. And I think that's his calling in the near future.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, playing all over and, and playing well at those positions. Uh, we'll go down to double A, the hooks. They're 22 and 29. But the offense has been really, really fun to watch over the last few weeks. And it's led by Emmanuel Valdez. We, we know everybody knows what he's doing at this point. We are April, May, early. I mean, we're coming up on two and a half months of the season. And he's still hitting 357, 16 doubles, 11 homers, 45 RBIs in 44 games. But drawing walks, I mean, he just he's doing everything you want to see from an offensive standpoint. He's probably stuck at, you know, that second or third base, just get, given his size. But the guy can hit, man. And if you watch a lot of those highlights, you watch a lot of the games, I mean, he's making hard contact. They're not chief home runs. Um, but I also love the fact that the guy, he, he can hit the ball the opposite way. And we've seen him do that a lot in Corpus Christi. That's a good place for a lefty to go oppo because the, the way the wind's blowing. Um, and he could take advantage of that. But he, he's a guy that definitely looks like he's ready for triple-A.
2: A Texas League Player of the Month, uh, north of 1,000 OPS through, like you said, two and a half months of baseball almost. Uh, this guy needs to be in A, and if we see him in AAA at altitude and elevation in the PCL, it's oh, yeah. going to be incredible. Uh, the, the, that ball is going to fly. And, you know, he can play third base, second base, left field. There's versatility there, and that's what AAA loves. You know, you're not going to see the same lineup two days in a row for Mickey Story with the Space Cowboys. We've talked about that for the last two years. Um, this team is versatile, and – adding Emmanuel Valdez to the mix would be incredible for that offense.
0: Yeah. Another guy who is, uh, who's been on fire in double-A right now, uh, Jiner Diaz. And I say it that way because I went down to Corvus Christi. I found that the correct way to pronounce it is Jiner, Jiner, not, not with like the hard Y sound, but he's been awesome playing, playing catcher. I know you put a note down here. He's got 154 innings and catcher 197 at first base. And it's really been him, Barry Hill. And then Salazar was there a little bit and they, they kind of rotated out, but, the guy just hits, man. He's hitting 322. He's got 41 RBIs this season. Um, he just he finds a way to get base hits. You know, he he's been drawing walks at a little bit better rate, which is good to see. But he doesn't strike out. He's got to hit for average. I mean, he's got he's got a really good profile that you'd probably like to see a catcher. You know, if he can stick a catcher, a guy that can come up and and hit for average, get on base, and, and has a little bit of power to go with it, that would that's a that's a nice thing to throw down there at the the seven or eight hole in the lineup.
2: Yeah, when are we going to start recognizing that this was the Yanir Diaz trade and not the Phil Maton trade? Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, the Astros are really all about started in low A last year, got up to high A with the Astros, uh, double A this year. And he's not showing any signs of stopping. You know, Some guys in triple A, uh, you know, struggling at the plate a little bit, not showing that much versatility between first and uh, catcher. But, you know, somebody like Yanir Diaz is someone who could see a promotion. Those guys should be worried if he continues to succeed.
0: Yeah, I think I, I looked it up today. I think he's played like 282 minor league games and he's hit 327. So, you know, you could look at average and make what you want of it. And, and a lot of it, you know, maybe it was down in rookie league and stuff. But the fact that he's, you know, basically two full – almost two seasons into his minor league career, two full seasons at 282 games and he's still hitting that that good a cliff, that's a good sign. Another catcher that's uh, been, been swinging the bat well recently, Luke Berryhill. The average maybe isn't as high as, as – as you would like to see at 263. But he's got an OPS of 848, which is, uh, is really solid, driving in runs. Uh, he's actually on a, a current 40 game on base Street. So either drawing a walk or getting hit by a pitch or a hit. So he's finding a way to get on base. And I know he had a, had a pretty big game or a, a pretty big day, I guess, if you want to say, uh, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before, right?
2: Yeah, he, uh, I think it was like May 28th. But he uh, sang the national anthem, scored the winning run, and it was his birthday uh, a yeah. big day for him um, just all around he also hit batting practice off of a aircraft carrier yep. so just huge birthday for him
0: yeah yeah that was the uh, that was the day that i was there in Corpus actually so it was pretty cool to see his, his parents are there to, to to see him walk out in his full catcher gear and then seeing the anthem was pretty cool did a great job with it uh, another guy who's been raking in double a Justin Deerd and we talked about him quite a bit ops of 906 <coughs> 18 doubles which leads the Astro system six home runs just seems like another guy who can hit. He's athletic. He's, you know, he said with his speed is one of his best attributes. He likes playing center field. We'll see where he ends up long-term. Uh, but he, he's a, he's a prospect left-handed hitter that's just hitting the ball right now, you know, and you talk about seeing what Valdez can do when he goes to those high altitude places of, of El Paso and Albuquerque and things like that. I'd love to see what Dearden can do when he, when he ends up getting approached in AAA, he's going to need some, some kind of shaking up, you know, somebody to either, either get pulled up to the ash or something's gonna have to happen for him to get that chance. But, uh, at this point, he's looking like another guy that's probably deserving of some time in AAA.
2: Yeah, and you you, were, you talked to Deirdre recently, and you wrote that piece on him. And uh, just he was a guy who went undrafted, um, somebody who kind of flew under the radar. But these older outfielders in the system, especially in AA, High A, a few guys in AAA, um, they're gonna make they're gonna be pushed up a little bit. Might be because of their age, um, kind of quickly promoted because they they need to show something that will get them to the majors as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's just nice to see some some good offer uh, offensive performances out of some of those guys down in uh, down in Corpus. But we'll jump down to their their pitching the story. This past week was uh, Miseo a Tamarez had a ten strikeout performance at five and two thirds, only gave up one hit, one run. He's got his ERA down to a 3-7-9, 46 strikeouts in forty innings. Uh, forty innings. Uh, the walks were a little bit of an issue, but he did a lot better with it this week. So he's got he's got the stuff that you want to see from a, a you know top flight starter or to see him kind of harness that and have a good outing. Uh, this this past week is uh, really encouraging.
2: I think it was uh, two weeks ago. We were talking about the hooks, you know, got off to a pretty rough start. Pitching wasn't there. We saw some position players pitching, but, you know, the, the starting rotations turning it around. The ERAs don't speak for themselves. Uh, you need to look at more of like last five starts, last three yeah. starts. You know, these, these guys are turning around. Their ERAs might be north of 3.5, um, but they're showing out. Uh, you know, the other guys in the bullpen are still pitching well. De- Devin Con, or Con Joe Record, uh, two names that have you know you've probably heard a few times if you've been to Double A games, but you know like another guy like Jimmy Endersby Endersby, two eight six ERA over forty four innings pitch, thirty punch out, thirty eight punch outs. You know, the, the walks are a little bit concerning with twenty six, um, but just overall you know, the team is improving. Twenty two and twenty nine, I think um, they have more wins than losses. Than last time we talked, so the, the hooks are getting better.
0: Yeah, no, they're they're on the upswing, and um, you know they'll be getting some help hopefully here uh, pretty soon. Uh, we did see Jordan Brewer post something about getting promoted to double A, but uh, we'll talk about them here when we get to the pitching for the tourists. But I'm really excited. Hopefully in the near future, we get to see what uh, Chase McDermott and, um, and Spencer Aragetti can do with them. But that's going to do it for this segment. We'll be right back. We're going to get into the uh, the high A and the low A. We'll be that in just a moment. And welcome back to the third segment of the Astros Future Podcast. Remember uh, to give us a review, leave us some stars if, you're, if you enjoy the show. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, but we'll we'll get to the tourists. They're twenty and thirty. They've been playing a lot better, a lot better ball uh, uh, recently. One of the guys we talked about on the stock up, Colin Barber has been awesome. Um, hopefully, he uh, he he's, he, I mean, he's kind of showing that he, he might be ready for delay. He put up really good numbers over about the first two and a half months of the season. Uh, but I'll jump down to one other guy, J.C. Correa. Kind of kind of in that mold of, of Jiner Diaz. All the guy does is hit. You know, he hit really well in Fayetteville, Asheville last year started in Asheville this year, and he, he kind of struggled at the season, but he's all the way up to 312 now, more walks and strikeouts, he struck out 15 times this season, and and we're in almost the middle of June, so hitting 433 over his last 16 games, the guy just hits, you know, the Astros are trying to figure out where they're going to play him defensively, they're trying him at catcher, uh, but the guy can hit, so if he can, if he can get, you know, get his, uh the defense squared away at catcher, you know, he's got a chance to, to definitely move up, and at this point, I think, the only reason he's not in double A is just they're working on the defensive side of things. I think offensively, he's shown he's he's ready for the next step.
2: They got to find a spot for him. Uh, th- that spot wasn't in the middle infield. You know, he played well, as so a shortstop. But if you wanted to advance in the system, you know, he needed a new position playing catcher. Uh, it's been, a, you know, not the easiest thing for him. And you know, it's his first time ever playing the position. Um, looking forward into, you know, in the next couple months, you're know, going to have to solidify him as a certain position and try to boost his chances of getting to double A.
0: Yeah, definitely. And there's a there's a few other guys down there that are, are playing well. Jordan Brewer, we talked about, got promoted up to double uh, to A. But another guy, uh, Will Wagner, Billy Wagner's son, he's, he's had a, a really good season. And what we've really seen from him is the power's not not great, but he's hitting for some average and he's drawing walks. He's got 32 walks in 45 games and on base percentage of three ninety two. So he's another guy that looks like he's probably ready for double A, probably ready for the next challenge, uh, just based on his on base skills. And uh, and we'll see what he can provide if he ends up getting a chance.
2: Yeah, when I think of Will Wagner, I just think of that scene in Moneyball when Brad Pitt points over at Jonah Hill in front of all the scouts and he goes, Why do we like him? And he goes, He gets on base. And that's what I think <laughs> of with Will Wagner. You know, him and David Hensley, two like the best on base guys, you know, in the system. And it's not always, you know, the, I know now it's more about power and, you know, hitting home runs and hitting the ball hard. But if he gets on base, he's doing his job. And I think that's something that is going to boost his chances in the next two seasons.
0: Yeah, for sure. And another guy who's uh, who's been getting on base at in an insane clip since he's gotten promoted, Quincy Hamilton. It was a little bit older prospect, was a fifth year senior, drafted in the fifth round. But in ten games with uh, with Asheville so far since he's gotten the promotion, hitting four twenty five, five doubles, four stolen bases. Uh, the guy's been phenomenal, and he could be one of those guys that if he if he tears the cover off the ball um, for you know, the remainder of June and, and end of July, maybe we even see him get a chance at Corpus this year.
2: Yeah, I remember we talked about this. I knew that he was a lefty hitter. I had no idea he threw lefty. He was a Astros player of the month or prospect player of the month. And I said to Jimmy, I was like, he needs to add like another tool, like add another glove to that. And you're like, well, the issue is he's left-handed. And I was like, oh, geez, yeah, I don't think he has the, the bill to be a first baseman. Look him up a little bit on baseball reference. At right State, he played three games at catcher. If we ever talk to him, that's something that he needs to talk about, you know, for sure. A left-handed catcher is uh, very weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, it, it, and it just it would be yeah very weird to see, but that that's uh that's interesting. So yeah, we'll definitely have to bring that up with them. And uh, one other guy offensively that's been good, Chad Stevens, uh, another draft pick last year, hit two eighty four eight homers. So um, they're they're getting some some solid performances right there. But we talked with uh, Chase McDermott, er, you know, earlier in the podcast, and, and he's been great. You know, sixty strikeouts of forty innings, The ERA is just above four. But he's he's kind of shown what's what's bringing him. You know, what's made him a, a high draft pick and what's made him also one of the top pitching prospects and he's had a couple performances that were okay like the one I was at on Wednesday you know he walked the bases loaded uh, was getting squeezed some pretty some pretty tough calls next guy in two pitches gives up a grand slam all three of those runs are are charged to McDermott so obviously that brought up his ERA and yeah he put the guys on but if the next guy comes in and gets that out, then maybe ZRA ERA is under four versus being 4.2 or whatever. So ultimately, though, you see what's making him a top prospect. It's a swing and miss stuff, and we're seeing that with the 60 strikeouts and 40 innings.
2: Yeah, and I also like the little – Little note you threw in there about him and Eric Getty kind of going back and forth with the most strikeouts on the team, and you know, looking at the notes right now. Eric Getty has one more inning than him this season, three more strikeouts. So I don't think it's it's fair to say Eric Getty is the better strikeout pitcher just yet. Sure. You know, I'm, I might be partial because McDermott was just on the podcast, but you know, <laughs> McDermott might might have might be tied with him if he had that extra inning but under his belt.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely possible, but they they they've been fun to watch. I, I kind of think of them as like the Bash Brothers, but on the pitching side, you know, striking out guys at a high rate. Um, you know, I posted that article today with with uh, the and really great cro- uh, quotes from him. He's had a strong season. You know, he's he you look at his numbers, he's been better as a starter than a reliever, like quite a bit better. Uh, he he also like like Chase said, he's more comfortable as a starter, but really good numbers. We saw him run his fastball up to ninety eight. Uh, his curveballs improvement, his, his changeups improvement. He said his, his slider is actually his, his best secondary pitch. His last start, I think he struck out 10 and maybe five innings or something like that. I mean, it was, it was a really good start, really showing off his stuff. So, like I was saying when we were talking about the hooks, I, I really don't think him and, and McDermott are probably too far away from getting that promotion to double-A.
2: Especially with the team, you know, we talked about some struggles. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot of pitching depth, not a lot of starters up at that level. Um, those are two guys that could definitely fill in by the end of the summer.
0: Yeah, so we'll jump down to the Woodpeckers. They're 23 and 28. One note, though, for sure, is uh, they lead the Carolina League at homers, and they're doing it by a pretty pretty good clip. I think they got like 10 more than the second-best team. So um, they're showing some pop down there, and they're at their 23 and 28 best record in the system right now, and that's with the pitching staff that struggled early. They've really been doing a lot better of late. But uh, first guy I'll talk about, Logan Cerny. I know that's a guy you really like. Six doubles, four triples, seven homers. he got an OPS of 736. You know, he started out the season really well, like three home runs the first week, slowed down a little bit. He's picked it back up, OPS of 736, which is respectable. And you can kind of start to see um, – sorry, I said 16 RBI, 16 stolen bases. But you can kind of start to see what the intriguing factors are with him, and that's that pop speed combo that he has as an outfielder. Yeah, we're
2: only five games into the month of June. You know, not a big sample size. Guy has an above 1,000 OPS. He's hitting three fifty three. He's really turning around his season. I think the last time we were talking, he had like a 600 OPS, 500-something yep. OPS. And now he's, you know, he's fine, seeing the ball better. Uh, his first full season in low A uh, came over from the Phillies. You know, I've been all about him. I've, I've, you know, I've had the same thought that the Astros wanted him in the draft last season. And the Phillies took him ahead of you know, their, their pick. And so I'm just a big Logan Cerny guy. And I think he's like a power, like a power hitting, uh, mile straw.
0: Yeah. Well, that would, that, that would be good, man. I know that, that that's lofty with, with uh, straw, but, uh, but yeah, that, that would be great. Another outfielder that's killing it down there. Kennedy Corona, man, he, he came over, I think it was in the, uh, I know from the Mets, was it the meristic trade?
2: Yeah. I think it was the Marisnik yeah. trade. It's him and Blake Taylor.
0: Yeah. And he's, uh, he, he, he started the season a little bit slow, but he's got his OPS up to eight fifty eight homers, uh, over his last 16 games, he's hitting 364, six double-six home runs. Not a not a big guy, but he's got some serious pop. You know, what I mean, he's he's a he's a a, a good athlete. He got some really good pop on his bat. So really encouraging to see that. Another guy that can probably go to Asheville and, and put up some gaudy numbers in that environment.
2: Yeah, describe him to like people that probably don't know a lot about him because he was kind of hurt for a little bit. Um, kind of snuck snuck into that trade. Not many people knew Kennedy Corona was. Season got canceled. Talk about him. What you what you said to me?
0: <laughs> yeah. So. The dude is freaking ripped, all right? I think he, they got him listed at like, maybe, like, 5'10". I'd have to look it up. He's not huge, but he's just – he's ripped. But I will say this, too. Seems like a, a great dude. He interacted – when I was in Fayetteville, interacted with all the fans, signed autographs, took pictures. You know, it, it seems kind of like the guy that, that people like to have around in the clubhouse, always smiling. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's freaking ripped. He's showing it out on the field over the last 16 games, hitting three sixty four. Um, And he's not the only outfitter that's having some success down there. There's another guy, Joey Loperfito. I talked to him when I was at Fayetteville as well, uh, playing outfield, playing first base, playing second base. And he's a really good first baseman, but a really good outfitter as well. Hitting .284, he's probably a guy who was not long from a promotion to Asheville college, college, uh, four-year college guy. But he's like – I feel like he's in that line of guys that we've seen of like a Jake Myers and a Chaz McCormick who maybe aren't going to put up the most eye-popping numbers, but are really good players, good defensively, um hit hit the ball well and as they continue to go through the system you'll end up kind of seeing that progression from what they are now to being a a quality player
2: yeah you don't see a lot of guys that play first second and left field um this that's gonna this kind of an interesting combination of things i know like the first guy i think of plays first and second rod carew ernie banks maybe but you know like in today's game you don't see that a lot and this is a guy who's gonna add versatility to wherever he goes um i think you talked to him a little bit and i think someone's like. What, like, what do you need to be promoted? And you just need to show, like, one little thing that's a little bit better than the guy above you. And this guy is showing different kind of versatility that could get him a spot in high A.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the, you know, the uh, Taurus end up needing a second baseman or a first baseman, which, uh, I mean, kind of looking at their their roster, they kind of do, actually. Uh, but if they end up needing a first baseman, then, yeah, is the way to go. You know, he went to college as, a, as an outfielder, played first his freshman year just because Duke needed him there and ended up being a really good first baseman. We'll talk about another couple guys on on, on the hitting. Uh, Rainier Rivas, the Astros got him in the Max Stassi trade. He was kind of lost. You know, he was down in the low minors at DSL, the rookie leagues, for quite a while. But he's been called up. He's 20 years old, big left-handed hitter. I think they got him listed at like 6'3", 225. He's already got two homers in five games. One was a a straight option field shot. The other was uh, to left center. He's a left-handed hitter. So he's got serious power. It's all going to be about harnessing that and, you know, cutting down the strikeouts and and, and such, but he's got three walks, two homers to the first dog game. So that's really good to see.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think you, I don't know if you brought it up on the podcast or before, but we saw a guy go up from, I think it was Quincy Hamilton. We're like, who's going to follow Quincy Hamilton uh, and take a spot in Loe? And that was the first one you said. And I wanted uh, Richie to take the spot, but you yeah. know, it's, he's going to get there eventually. Um, it's also a fun fact DSL and the FCL start today, June 6th. We're recording on a Monday. Um, you know, you're not going to see those games, but you can look at the box scores. There's some good talent down there.
0: Yep. Yep. I already started to look at him today. But, yeah, a couple other guys we'll talk about on the offensive side before we get to the pitching. Tyler Whitaker, we've seen the ups and downs. Had a, had a week where he had two or three home runs, and he struggled a little bit, lots of strikeouts. But another guy who's kind of underrated, uh, Miguel Palma, good defense as a catcher. He's got a low, you know, batting average on balls and plays right now. But he's 20 years old. He has a good walk rate, good strikeout rate. Uh, good defense behind the plate I think he's a guy to watch and but we'll jump to the pitching man this is this is where I get really excited just looking at some of these pitchers Alex Santos second round pick back in 2019 47 strikeouts in 30 innings ERA's at 396 but really I think his first start was a little rough after that he's been great when I was there he went five innings one run struck out more than he has last year walked less than he has last year so uh, really good to see that and and, you know, when that domino falls, when we see a, an Era Getty and a McDermott get promoted to Double A, I think Santos will be one of those guys that will get that opportunity in high A this year.
2: Hey, and Santos is a, you know, hyped prospect too. He's top 10 in probably everyone's list. Um, you know, he's practically the return of losing Garrett Cole. And yep. just the strikeout numbers are incredible. And I think the other day he got up to five innings. We haven't seen him really eclipse four. And that's great to see. Guy's extending his his innings as a starter. And that's what, you know, you want to see from a fastball pitcher. He's going to probably throw a lot of pitches through four innings, and to see him kind of work himself a little bit further is going to get him to a high A.
0: Yeah, they've had a lot of pitchers that are starting to do that. Bryant Salgado, 14th-round pick last year, actually went to high school in the Houston area, went to San Jack, then transferred to Oregon State. But um, I saw him pitch Friday night, 93-95 to of the fastball, 44 strikeouts in 33 innings. Man, you know, the, the the guy gets up there and works really quick. I think that game, it was him that went the first five, Miguel Ulola, who I'm about to talk about next, with the next four, he threw four no-hit innings, struck out six. And I believe the game was over in two hours exactly. So I got on the broadcast with Andrew Chapman for the top of the fifth, the bottom of the fifth, and the top of the sixth. And I think I was on there for like a total of like 10 minutes. I mean, it was it was insanely fast. But, uh, man, he's a guy that I'm really excited about. And then Ulola, 20 years old, throwing 98. I mean, we're seeing what, he, what he's doing, 25 strikeouts in 17 innings. And you're kind of starting to see it come together, just like we did on Friday when he struck out six over four innings.
2: Yeah, I actually want to jump back up to Salgado for a second. You like you said, Oregon State guy. He was starting the other day, and I think it was an hour before his start. He's watching the Oregon State game and tweeting about. it. I'm like, you have to pitch soon, man. And like you said, he works quick. And you showed me that video of him. Like he he gets emotional on the mound. I you know, he it. shows it, and that's a guy that's gonna be a fiery pitcher someday.
0: Yeah, he gave a good little shoulder shrug. I, I sent him a message, messing with him about that. But yeah, that that was real fun to see. They got a couple other starters though. Carlos Calderon. Uh, Edinson Batista—they're both 20 years old, just like you, Lola. Uh, both of them have strikeout rates of uh, of over 11 for nine innings. So the walks have been a little bit of an issue for that that Fayetteville pitching staff, but uh, you can really see the upside with some of these starters, and it's starting to show, and the record reflecting that. One other guy I'll talk about: Rhett Coba, the Astros drafted him at 12th round last year. 20 strikeouts at in 15 innings. He had his worst outing of the uh, the season um, on uh, Sunday, and he gave up three runs. So, but I, what I'll say about him. I was at Fayetteville Friday after the game, fireworks, you know, so he stayed around for that. After that, kids go down for autographs. He's by the, by the dugout. And he literally sat there and waited and, and waited until, like, the entire stadium cleared out signing autographs. And I asked him, I was like, you know, uh, asked him about it. And he said, man, if I can – I remember the feeling as a kid, you know, wanting to get autographs, and if I can replicate that feeling for, for one of these kids, make their day, then that's what I'm going to do. And, I mean, he sat out there, he brought his own Sharpie and just waited. We, me and him chatted for a little bit a kid would run down, he'd sign the autograph, you know, two, three minutes go by, another kid comes down. He wasn't no rush to get in the dugout. And this is on a Friday night. So just really cool to see stuff like that, you know, especially for the kids. And I don't know, it was just, it was nice to see.
2: Yeah, you, you probably don't see that a lot at the major league level. You know, a lot of guys still go and sign autographs before the game, but you know, he was a guy standing on the opposite side of the, um, of the fencing at one point, you know, he was asking for the yeah. same stuff. And you know, he'd, he probably want to be the treated the same way. And that's a great thing to see from these, from these minor leaguers, you know, you get a triple A games, you know, a couple times a year, you see all the guys right. as they come out of the tunnel, drop their stuff, go straight to the players. You know, the guys who've been there for a while, like Alex Degote, even Taylor Jones, Jake Myers, um, newer guys that have been to the majors that they're still doing that. They still enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's something about it. It's just, it's just good to see, man. It kind of, I know it sounds a little corny to say, but it kind of warms your heart to, to see that from mm. these players, but, um, Kenny let's get into our trivia now so I got I got to I kind of hinted at it earlier um but, but I'll go ahead and ask it and I'm like I said I'm, I'm gonna get mine out of the way because I know yours will be like extremely complex but first one I got out of the four affiliates which one is not owned by the Astros and I probably told you this
2: oh I, I know this one already okay. we talked about it it's Asheville um, right. Asheville is family owned and then the stadium is owned by the city that's right yep yeah I guess I told you that a couple days ago yeah you, you right. told me that one
0: yeah Fayetteville they got a brand new stadium, Segra Stadium. When was it built?
2: Okay, um, twenty seventeen.
0: Nineteen. Well, nineteen was their first season. They were they were Buies Creek. They they acquired the team. They were Lewis Creek. They played over at Campbell University. And nineteen was in the stadium was was actually like their first season. Oh, uh, First season. Beautiful, okay. Beautiful stadium, though. If you haven't been there. All right. Last question. McCormick Field is a, um, a a stadium with a lot of history. Do you know what year or what year that stadium was built? 1921.
1: 1923. Oh, yeah,
0: okay. So coming, I, I knew, yep. Yeah. Coming up on 100 years. So pretty mm-hmm. impressive. But all right, Kenny, yeah. what you got? Throw it at me.
2: All right. So before the, I'm going to do the picks or 20, let me see. Let's see. 2010, uh, 2010 draft for the Houston Astros. Uh, they had three first round picks, technically. I think one of them was a comp pick. Right. Uh, this was the year before Jeff Luno took over. So in 2010, um, who were the first? Who are the three first round picks that the Astros had, had?
0: Oh man, there's a couple names that. Okay, uh, if 10. you if you get yeah. two of the
2: three, I'll be impressed because the All other right. one you're not going to get.
0: Well, hold on, I might get it. Mm-hmm. I, it. Once I know one of them, I'll be good. Was that was that Mike It was yes. Delano De Shields. Yep. Okay, so I got two. All right, the other one. The other one's tough, but uh, yeah, it is very tough. It's uh. uh I to, I think he's got a tough last name, right?
2: Very, very hard name like yeah.
0: Mike, Mike Kavaska or what Kavaska.
2: Yep. Kavasnica.
0: Okay. Kavasnica. I, yeah. I knew I was gonna yeah. I knew I was gonna mess it up, but all right, hey, see.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That that's yeah. that draft is always such an interesting one because I remember looking it up and I don't think that guy got past like low A or what was like single A at the time.
0: Yeah, no, it was rough. Uh, and even the year before that, I think maybe 09 is when they took Gio air you know, the shortstop and and he struggled mm-hmm. too. It was, it was a bad time for Astros, and I, I don't want to go back to that. We, you know, we, we draft pretty well right now, but uh, yeah, it's a good yeah. one, Kenny. Um, you got anything else, man, before we end it?
2: Uh, not at all. And I just maybe some promotions on the way Mo- Monday, Tuesday, big promotion day.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. I'm it, that, that that's always exciting, you know, seeing those prospects get that first opportunity on a new level. But um, that's all we got, man. That's gonna be the show. That's the end of today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.